Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of Mississippi, the show of Al Jorgensen, synth pop, LA, Fast and the Furious, Milk and Honey. Man, there's so many different things that we're talking about in this amazing conversation with Brian Floyd, or as we all know him, Floyd. He's been everywhere, seen so many different things, started the Barman's Fund. He is now the creative director for a source craft cocktails, which will deliver amazing ingredients and spirits to you to assemble your own amazing craft cocktail right where you sit. And even better than that, I get to release this amazing conversation on Floyd's 40th birthday. It's kind of a gift to me and it's kind of a gift to Floyd, but I hope you guys enjoy this wonderful conversation with Brian Floyd. Plenty of people who would, who would, I can be a dick. <laughs> well, yes, so sure. But, we but, but I guess if you're putting it that way, I'm, I'm, I'm generally not rude. Yeah. Uh, I might be a dick, but I'm generally not rude. So I guess, I guess you could be a dick and still be a gentleman. <laughs> you can't. Well, that's actually part of it to some people. All right, fair enough. Yeah, I, I think of like uh, you seen cat on a hot tin roof. Mm. Yeah, I think of you, you as like the Paul Newman type. There. Oh really? Yeah, man. Like I, I, I don't want to oversell it, right? But yeah, that's, there's that's, something suave about you. And... Those are some heavy shoes to fit, yeah. <laughs> brother. It's Paul Newman. No, I meant Big Daddy. Like the oh, oh yeah, no, 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 no fair okay. enough. <laughs> well, you know, by by that age, I hope I can be, you know, the big fat sweaty yes. southern southern granddad. Getting some getting some good uh, mint juleps, I'm sure, into the whole process. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you for saying. By yeah, the way. no, Ex- man. It's something about. I don't. I I try to think about. It. I'm trying to like articulate it, you know. But there's something about Floyd. And do you like people calling you Floyd? Do you like people calling you Brian? What do you think is the best? Uh, most of my friends. I introduce myself as Floyd. Yeah. Uh, my buddies had been calling me Floyd starting in about sixth grade. Yeah. Uh, it's and, more Prince like. Yeah. Well, single it, it syllable wasn't the point. Just after a while. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in you know my my group of buddies in college, there were four Scots and three Bryans. It oh was wow. All last names. So you have to do it. Absolutely, yeah. and and it just kind of stuck yeah. because Floyd's also a first name. It's a good um, one, yeah. and you know there might be other Brian's out there, but people always knew who Floyd was. Yeah, and, and differentiating so just, factor. Yeah, building and, the brand of Floyd, and, and I had a lot of friends who just if I introduced myself as Brian Floyd when I started working at a bar somewhere, mm-hmm. they start calling me Floyd almost immediately. So it's just you're getting to inevitable inevitability of it. You're just yeah, like, I'm just gonna get to it. Yeah, yeah. I wish people would call me G, but I just don't look like a G really. Well, we can start right now. <laughs> I have no problem with that. You have, to state, you have to state your preference. Man, so, you know, the funny thing is a lot of people don't realize I've got a last name because it's always Mike G on social media. I think totally. it's, it's tighter. That's a better brand. It's, it's, like all, it's all I know you buy. I don't That's know right. what, I don't know what your last so name is. So my last name's Groner. Okay. Which is a terrible last name. <laughs> it rhymes with boner. I got that a hell of a it's lot. It's really funny. Yeah, it is quite humorous, right? And I, like, I like Mike G. Mike G is better than that, yeah, as we, you know, we, we retract. But... 
lots of groiners, you know. So so I'm like, well, fuck the interpretation of it. People misreading it. Gee, simple. Like Facebook it. doesn't care. No. No. Nobody. Re- nobody really cares. Nobody does care. And that way, when somebody calls up out of the blue, and like, can I speak to Brian? Yeah. <laughs> I probably don't know you. I don't know who you are. Yeah. Unless you're my family. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. Formalities, right? Sure. So I also was really impressed. You know, there's the Franklin Holiday Party, mm-hmm. which is a wonderful event every year. We all get loose. We all get to share our vocal ranges. Sure. And you may have sang other songs, perhaps. Mm-hmm. However, you your go-to was Bloodhound Gang. Yes. Which is somehow, for me, counterintuitive to your gentlemanly nature. I would I would take you for a Neil Diamond guy. I right? appreciate that. Yeah. You know, and I've I've got some Tom Jones that I love Tom to Jones, sing. Tom Jones, absolutely. Johnny yes, Cash, yes. but Johnny Cash, but, sure. But there, there are certain songs that don't make any sense. People wouldn't expect you to know that yeah. you know by heart. Like I knew those lyrics. DMX, I no fucking idea. DMX, party up. I yeah. know by heart. And there's just certain <laughs> songs that no one expects, and it's way more fun that way. Yeah, because a lot of people know that song, even if they never listen to it on the or radio, or acknowledge that they knew it. Sure, or they don't own the CD, but they know that song. Yeah, and it's it's a so it's a good party song. It was good, man. And I'm a, I was a little bit envious of the moves. I think you were bringing out a few moves. They were kind of wrangled back, but pre- you were bringing some moves in, <laughs> some some moves into. The I was game. trying to trying to yeah. show some restraint. Some, and also some some range as a as a dance and as a dancer as a as a personality. I so the gentlemen, that. you know, they're pretty pent up but refined. See, I disagree. A, a, a gentleman should know how to dance. And I think gen- so too. A gentleman should be willing to dance. Even willing if, to dance, even if he doesn't know how. See, that's me. I'm I'm absolutely willing to. What is the essential? Like have a seizure, mm-hmm. you know, and. I understand music. I get four four, so I've got rhythm. I sure. just don't have the hips for it. Yeah. Well, it, what's it? Yeah. Do you have it, the hips for it? it never, no. Of course not. <laughs> Why not? But it comes down to if it's a party, yeah. Start dancing. Yes. Because everybody kind of wants to, and everybody's too nervous to yes. do so. Yeah. Uh, if everybody's standing around and it's dance with a partner music, mm-hmm. grab a pretty girl and dance with her. Right. Grab a grandma and dance with her. Grab Grandma's. anybody. Oh, grandma. Dance easy. with her. Yeah. It's because it's fun, yeah. and that's the whole point. And and one of the things I really love about uh, Austin when I moved back from New York three yeah. years ago is that when you go like the to me the the White Horse is kind of a quintessential hipster bar. Sure, if sure. It, it's like Union Pool in in, in Williamsburg. Mm. It's the quintessential. A lot of hipsters go there to to try to get laid. It's a pickup bar. <laughs> it's a drunken shit show. Right. But ev- the cool kids dance. Yeah. And that's the thing is that in so many places that you go where hipsters hang out, the cool kids don't dance. It's not cool to have fun. Right. In yeah, Austin, like Texas, to be like so serious. If you want right? to be the coolest guy in the room, you better know how to two step. Yeah. And and so it's a nice change that that being active is the cool thing to do. Yeah, it's a little bit of a shift, right? Absolutely. How does one learn the two step? Uh it's really the basics are very very simple. Yeah. You just have to be willing to get out there and and dance poorly and learn yeah the basics are so simple and all the guys that are so amazing at it and they spin and they twirl and they flip and they right, do all right, this right. shit um that's a lot of practice yeah and so people see that and they're like oh well i can't do that right, they don't, they don't ma- even try yeah and the, the the basic step is so phenomenally simple if you can just do that and turn somebody once or twice your partner's gonna be happy and do you do you enjoy it oh, absolutely you enjoy it? Yeah. yeah does it make does it make you 
Because you, you have a girlfriend now, at least I do. from what I understand. Yes. Does she enjoy to dance? She is a fantastic two-stepper. Yeah. And I had to learn how to two-step to dance with her because she will to go keep out. Up, right? She'll go out dancing. Yeah. Without me, like she, she'll go to the old school <laughs> yeah, I dance know how that hall feels. with old school, the old school dance halls where yeah, people yeah. literally that's all they do and they dance every song and it's a live band and they're very good at it. And yeah. all these old guys, you know, come through and it's a very uh, polite ritual. The right. old guy will come over, he puts his hand out, you. They get up, they dance with him, and he, the old guys will always walk the ladies back to their chair. Oh, it's amazing. Not say anything. They're not being rude or creepy or anything. They yeah. always will walk you right back to your seat where they got you, say thank you, and walk off. Do you, and so there's these these really amazing. great protocols yeah. to it. And, and you know, if you go down to Broken Spoke or, um, yeah, there's a couple of other dance halls. Right, right. So there's it's still cemented in, oh, yeah. in culture now. Oh. Do, I feel like... I talked to Ladia about this a lot, and um, I can't let her carry her own baggage. There's just these things my mom raised me with. Sure. She, things about being a man. I don't know if it's being a man or if it's being polite or whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter. It's not about a difference between a man and a woman, but it is saying I should be doing these things because that's the right thing to do. Open yeah. car doors, right? Open doors just in general. Sure. Carry the bags, carry the luggage, all these things. <clears throat> what? How do you feel? Because I think... It seems like you're very deeply rooted in traditional being a gentleman, mm-hmm. doing things for women, not not for the sake because they're women, but doing it because it's what you do. Sure. Right. How do you feel that's coming along? Do you think that younger kids are really being the gentleman that they need to be? No. Uh, and, and a lot of that just, just it changes with time. Um, I don't think it's being taught as, as firmly as it was taught. Yeah, I grew up in, in uh, small town Mississippi. Yeah. And... Uh, as far as like saying getting in trouble with my dad, right? Like the very worst thing I could do, and and get my ass whooped, uh, was disrespect. Yeah, and specifically disrespect to mom, That's disrespect right. to a grandmother, disrespect to a teacher, disrespect to women specifically was yeah. met with swift vengeance. Yeah, me too. I, and, I remember I was a dick, little being a punk ass kid to my yeah. mom at the museum, and I love my mom. We're best friends. Whoop, got whooped. Yeah, in Easy. public. Yeah, yeah. Oh sure, on the spot. Yeah. And and so, um, yeah, and and that you you've seen it, and I've seen it, where you grow up in a, in a southern or conservative place where there's some misogyny mixed in with it. Yeah. I was never raised that way. Yeah. I was just raised like this is your job. Your it's job manners. is to open the door. Your yeah. job is to make sure that she's okay. Your right. job is to make sure that she goes first, and your job is to carry the heavy shit. Absolutely, and it, it's in a sense like the focus on elderly too has just diminished. Oh, absolutely. Like, you know because. They, we should revere them, and like when we probably when we were growing up, these are people from World War Two, yeah, you know, that that put in a lot into the country, or whatnot. But like, you they they have their due respect, and we just, I got that, and I've just practiced that. But I feel like it's just so lost. How many times have you recently like people just don't even notice you're right behind them, and they let the door slam right in your face? Right, it happens all the time. Sure. Right? What do you? I I just don't know why there's that loss of masculinity in a sense i i think it's a tough question well and and i understand why some of some of it want some of it some people wanted it to go away yeah um because you start to tread onto you know strict gender gender roles which a lot of people don't want and you start to to tread on some misogyny but you lose the good parts of it Mm -hmm. which are the basic training of making sure you pay attention to somebody else first and is treating somebody with respect has nothing to do with uh, with your judgment of their ability. No, or it's sex. It's just as 
putting someone else first. Yeah. That's and, an amazing And I think there trait. was some protocols and some training, um, uh, some gentility to it that, that you know, it's, it's all, it is so, uh, uh, disappearing art. Yeah. Not entirely because no, there's still some entirely. fantastic people out there. A buddy AC. Yeah. Um, is you'll notice when little things that, you know, with who goes first, you know, when you're walking into a store, with right. Right. Strangers. And, and, uh, but when I was behind the bar more, mm-hmm. uh, it was, it's definitely something you notice. Yeah. Um, what, what's, did you, did you notice that, God, I can't even imagine the shit you've seen behind the bar, yeah. <laughs> but you notice that guys are just, they're not even really that concerned about the well-being of their, the woman that they're uh, with. Of their, of their dates. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's strange, isn't it? And how does things sustain, like, why did women, I mean, this, we won't even ask. No, I think we should change the Yeah, but that's, that's a, a God, that's a whole nother It's a goddamn thing. slippery slope. It is a really slippery slope. But you grew up with, what, what <clears throat> excuse me, the chivalry, True. right? Respecting women, respecting authorities, and did you grow up fully in Mississippi? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, what? How was high school in Mississippi? Um, I was. I always think about this because, like, I went to high school in Salt Lake City, which is real pretty white bread, to be honest. Sure, uh, Brandon, Mississippi, massive high school. Yeah, um, it was just black and white. Yeah, it was black and white, and the vast majority of people did not have much money. Yeah, we weren't aware of it then, um, but I didn't really understand how close we lived to hard poverty like yeah. hardcore like uh winter's bone kind of just really like hard poverty just down the street yeah. kind of thing and and it was <clears throat> you know it's mississippi it was just something that you saw and you didn't you didn't think a lot of as a kid yeah uh, but because well, it's just the norm right like yeah you just you so adapt the, to it but the, the, that diversity was white and black yeah very little asian um, very little Jewish population, right. uh, very, very small, uh, anything else. Are we talking the, the time. mid eighties or late? When 80s? I was, yeah, I, I was born in 76. Okay. So all okay. through the eighties. So 39. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, a, it, do you think, does that, cause I always wonder, cause I like the cultural differences like Houston. I grew up in Houston a little bit sure. and there's so many different kinds of cultures, different kinds of cuisines and all that. Do you think that maybe you missed out on some other things that were going on because it was so 50, 50? No. No, I, I I love where I grew up. I hated it growing up. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's kind of part of a, a normal adolescence to need something to rebel against. Sure. And so you definitely you're gonna find something to rebel against if you're yeah. if you're a billionaire and you have everything you want, right. you're gonna rebel against that. Um What was your what what did you want to rebel against? Well, I it really I hated that you know, there was nowhere to go to see music. Yeah. And I hated that, you know, a lot of things like that. You see, so you had the kind of like small town punk. Sure. Um, anger of just nothing to do, nowhere to go. Did every- you do anything with it? Like, uh, uh, did well, you start so, playing? Yeah, we, well, we, we definitely would organize shows in the park. You know? <clears throat> oh, really? Oh, absolutely. Were you, so you, do you play? Uh, you said you back piano. In the, back in the day, yes. Mm-hmm. Did you? What did you play? I my first band was a band called the Black Friars. Okay. And I played keyboard in that band because I grew up playing keyboard. Yeah, yeah. Were and you playing uh, like a, what What? What was the live piano of choice <laughs> at that point? It was like a Casio? You took a Moog? I was playing a, a Yamaha SY. Some kind of some amazing number. Yamaha. 2277, I can't yeah, remember yeah. what it was. Um, How was that experience? Did you it was like a blast. That? We played in this old barn uh, in Brandon, Mississippi. It was an all-ages Group, yeah. uh, all ages venue 
uh, called The Back Door. And the Back Door. All of these bands, because this is uh, early 90s, mm-hmm. like 1990, 1991. Things and, were really changing. Oh, man. And, and, and so much... It was a, it was astonishing how many shitty little bands came out of a really small town yeah. or other, or because in Mississippi also if you if you liked punk and you liked metal and you liked alternative stuff you all hung out together it's not big enough yeah, right in LA you'd team. have like well I'm into speed metal and I'm into death metal and I'm into this and, yeah and you you could further genreify sure but in Mississippi it was like if you're a little bit weird we're gonna hang out it's okay all, you yeah. skate well cool I'm an artist we're gonna hang out yeah. Because that's a cool, that's if, really if you cool, were different though. at all, like your your group had a lot of different kinds of people in it. Yeah. Because there was nobody else to hang out with. Yeah, it was not a lot, right? And it so would... the music genres, you'd end up playing with bands that were nothing like you whatsoever. Yeah. It's because they were the ones who wanted to play on a Tuesday night for that's no money. Amazing. Yeah. Did you ever take it beyond the barn in the back door? Uh, we played other places but did it not beyond that yeah was it ever an aspiration to kind of break it in music or just fun Mm -mm. it was just fun yeah just something to do what kind of stuff i I just kind of imagine what kind of what genre has a keyboardist Uh, but i imagine you had pretty cool bangs that's my thought anyway we uh i had long hair at the time see that's what i'm thinking at the time it's curly hair oh yeah and uh yeah i looked like a fool i tried really hard (laughs) to be cool though um, we all do. There's nothing we, uh, else to we do. We always opened up with uh, anything, anything by Drama Rama. Oh shit! Are you kidding me? Yeah, that was a, that was always our opener. Yeah, and we played a bunch, bunch, bunch of uh, original stuff. But the covers we did, we always did that, and we did Two Feet Off the Ground by the Dead Milkmen. Oh my gosh! Uh, and we play A Forest by the Cure. That's a so good those one were our three covers. That's good. Well, Forest is is nice, lulling, sleepy, but yeah, kind of. Like, way we, real we played a, a rock and roll. Version did you? Of it. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever? venture into guitar i can't, I just for some reason i, I, I imagine like you you have the personality of like a guitar player mm. so, i never i never played guitar in a band yeah uh i played bass and i played but i played a lot of stuff in symphonic band i played the bassoon oh no kidding i played the saxophone the alto Which, and tenor alto. and barry we both played alto uh, i played all the percussion stuff i played xylophone and timpani and and it's i was, a, good I was way a to, real big music nerd it's a good way to develop like a social group I oh, found yeah. like because I because I moved around so much when I was younger. But once I found sax and kind of playing in jazz band, I played guitar and jazz band, and all this kind of fucking nerdy shit. But it was so good; it was so formative. Sure. Those kids were all doing the same thing. It's like, well, yeah, you may play the flute, but still, we're like stuck here in this room playing some songs. Yeah, it's a great way to socialize and meet uh, people. You sure. Know? And I, I told you, you know, I started playing piano when yeah. I was in first grade uh, because my grandmother and my mother did. And so once you have that background, picking up any other instrument is, is really Not easy. so difficult, No, right? not yeah. at all. Did your mom really encourage you to pick up piano, or did you just pick it up uh, I was song? always curious, and so she would show me things, and yeah. then I started taking lessons when I was six or seven. That's crazy. You have any siblings? I got a big sister. Yeah? Yeah, she lives in Irving. Oh, cool. It's actually um, one of the main reasons I moved back to Texas. Just to be close to her and her yeah. family, Close Closer to family. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Are you folks still together? Yeah, they're uh, in Mississippi. Cool. Was your dad musical at all? No. 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 Dad's, dad's tone deaf. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Son of a farmer. Yeah. My dad's, my dad's uh, great. Yeah. I love him. We get along great. Um, but my artistic, uh, eccentric. Proclivities. Bullshit proclivities. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, were, there, were, there was a lot of uh, knocking of heads. Really? Uh, yeah. Because did he, did, through, like, did he not like, understand 20s. it? No, not at all. Yeah, my dad. And we started really getting along really well the, probably the past decade. See, that's that's it. Like I, uh, I was up visiting my folks for Thanksgiving, 
And I told my dad, I said, you know, you're going to be turning 70 and I'm going to I'm getting closer to, I'm edging to 40, which isn't fucking fun, but I feel all right. I feel all right. Still got my hair. Which is well, nice. good. Yeah, yeah, it's great, right? So, and I said, I'm going to just be prepared. I'm going to ask you every question that I've ever conceived because there are some things I don't want you passing and I don't know. Yeah, fair enough. He's seen Elvis multiple times. He's seen a yeah, huge Neil Diamond fan. Right. Yeah, and and talking about his first marriage being the biggest mistake of his life, there's some really, really great moments. And and I don't think that it could have ever happened until I was older. Sure. Right? Like, we, we butted heads exactly the same way. I'm doing music. I don't think he really understands that. It's kind of black and white business guy when, when we're growing up in Salt Lake or Houston, whatever. But there's something about when you get more mature and you kind of on on the same level with your folks sure your pop especially you know do you guys you, you, it's different now well i you know i had an artistic background yeah um and and my 20s were a profligate wandering fucking mess <laughs> and and it took a while for him to realize that i was actually very serious about it and dedicated to it and yeah. once he realized that that i wasn't just fucking off um he Took it seriously. He respected it. Yeah. Um, as he got older and he had some health problems, mm-hmm. um, that's when ev- all the bullshit really stripped away. You, you become know, that, two that, guys, two men. Yeah. That's talking. when he. That's when he was like, you know what? If you're happy and you're well and you're safe, you know, and above ground, yeah. that's all I really give a shit about. So, and and we started we started uh, relating in a much better way then. And I think that's probably going to be. I think most people, if anybody listens to this, it's probably going to be a pretty similar story. Yeah, you know, you've you know, as as a uh, as a boy turning into a man, right? You always end up having this moment where you you have a fight or a break with your father. Yeah, my buddy uh, Harrison Scott Key just wrote this really fantastic book called The World's Largest Man, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's a memoir, and a lot of it's about his dad. Yeah. And he talks about how, and he, he, he remembers his moment specifically. What was it for him? Uh, it, it's, pretty, it's a pretty gnarly, yeah. violent, absurd scene. Um, I, yeah, it's, it's, I've been it's, there, it's, man. It's, it's worth reading. Yeah. Um, but, but it then, takes but, that, but right? It takes, but because, because you need somebody, you know, to, this is somebody you're almost exactly alike and you, you will never admit it. And right. You won't even notice it for another 30 years. Uh-huh. Um, and you hate him for it. And you need somebody to hate and and and, and uh, rebel against, and this is this is the force in your life that's the most obvious to do so. I mean, and every this is repeated in fiction for thousands, sure. And thousands oh, of years. Sure. Oh, it's totally and, common and, dynamic. Yeah, and and so I think so. My experience has been pretty normal. Yeah, it's interesting though that it, it that it feels it is normal, and it's probably the normal trajectory that many many men face. You know, but well, but I'm thoroughly enjoying it now. It's so good now. We talk all the time. Right now? Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I think about, I was really, really perplexed the fact that Creed, so the new new Rocky movie, Uh is like so amazingly rated. Stallone's up for a Golden Globe. I'm like, wait, 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 what the fuck? Really? And so I'm like, this is prime opportunity. My dad and I have to go see that movie. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's that kind of thing. Like, I remember Die Hard, we watched on a VHS, Predator, like all these kinds of things. Creed, perfect. No one else has any interest. My mom doesn't have any interest. But these are the kinds of moments I'm like really, really looking forward to now. And it's, it's only been because we're older, you know. Yeah. So, but anyway, so you're playing some keyboard. You're yes. doing music. You're doing high school. Any other kind of academic bits of interest to you at that point? Or was it really 
predominantly music that drove you and uh, I, I was a terrible student really yeah my uh my high school guidance counselor when i was either 16 or 17 uh told me to drop out of high school she told you that yeah why i used to talk to her all the time i didn't i didn't really like high school yeah and uh she just thought it'd be better for you no she i had really good test scores at that point mm-hmm. and she was like look you're failing most things you're not having any fun you don't like it here yeah why don't you drop out and go do anything else and then go to college when you feel like it yeah was exa- exactly what she said to me she said your test scores will get you into any state school sure. they, weren't, they weren't astronomical i wasn't gonna go to fucking harvard but right, i could have gone even matter at that ut point. or mississippi yeah. state or whatever your, your test scores will get you into a state school anywhere in the country you're you know i failed every semester of of physics and then i aced the uh, exam and i passed with a d no which, kidding. My mother's a professor, so it drove her insane that I was <laughs> that I was such a shitty student. What, what a professor of what? Um, she's a PhD mathematician. No kidding. Yeah. Oh and man, so, a bit of frustrated so her to no that end. I'm a just not a traditional academic in any sense. Yeah. Yeah, she hates that. Did she want you to pursue like full academia and teach and stuff? No, it's just you know both of my parents. My parents are great. They yeah. came from both of them came from farming families. You know, small town Mississippi. Right. You know, children of children of the Depression. So wow. no fucking money. And both of them did very, very well. For me to, if I ever have a kid, for my kid to go from, like, the jump that my dad did from when he was born to when he had a kid. Yeah. For me to make that same jump from where I was born to my kid, I'd have to be a fucking millionaire. No kidding. Yeah. It's crazy how that changes. Yeah. Well, they and a lot of that for them was education. Yeah. And so when I was this more flouncy creative type who did very poorly in school when i probably could have done very well in school if mm-hmm. i had given a shit it drove them insane and it was the it was a source of a lot of friction I'm yeah. Sure. yeah so what'd so, you do then when you got out of high school did so i went did, straight to college and it was it's the biggest fucking regret i have i should no I, shit yeah I, college where'd you, where'd you go to school uh mississippi college and then i went to belmont and nashville uh did one semester in london kind of bounced around amazing I, uh, I, I didn't take it seriously. There was nothing I cared to study. I went to college because you're supposed to go to college. Right. Yeah. I sh- I, to this day, if there's one thing I could tweak about my life, I would go back, I'd listen to my guidance counselor, uh-huh. and I'd, Just I'd, I'd, I'd have the fight at home, and I would have gone and done something else. She no was, shit. She's like, go hitchhike, go travel, join the circus, get a job. Do whatever you feel like doing, and then when you decide to go to school, go to school. Yeah, but don't just do it to do it. I did Come it to, to I it did it to you... did it, and I got nothing out of it. No kidding. Yeah, yeah it's the same thing, man. And it's an interesting model now because everybody feels like they've got to do that. Sure. Now, for for us in the '80s, I remember like a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Was of that the, was that the the spoke you know the slogan? And oh I yeah, felt like, that, you know you know what that was. What was that? That was um, that was Darth Vader. That was. Uh, James Earl Jones? James Earl Jones. Really? And it was the United Negro College Fund. That's right. Does it still, I mean, I, I'm going to play na- they, naive, they, but I does believe, it apply to me still? I, I believe they call it, uh, they now just just the, the letters. Okay. UNCF. Okay, good, good. Oh, I didn't realize that's what it was. Yeah. Because I remember seeing so was many the, commercials you, about yeah, it. Yeah, when Saturday morning cartoons. Yes, absolutely. But You'd that was, hear that, that, was... That, that deep, awesome, rumbly voice go, oh my God, that's Darth Vader. It's motivating. You know, the United, you know, please give to the United Eager yeah. College oh, Fund. Right. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. Man, we missed that. And then the... Ministry had that shitty album, A Mind is a Terrible Thing to Taste. That's right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a pretty shitty album, wasn't it? Well, they it's all the... right. It, it, it served a place for what I needed 
as an adolescent, <laughs> the music wasn't necessary. It was the hamburger of albums. Uh, the, man, the, the I, 99 you know said hamburger. Thieves. I still listen to Thieves about yeah. once a year. And, you know, was it Land of Milk and Honey? That's one of the earlier ones. No, right? Bef- it was Land of Rape and Honey. Oh, thank you. Sorry. I, yeah. I, I softened it. Awful. But that was before he made that goth change, too. He was still writing Depeche Mode songs at that point, wasn't it? Like those first two records of the. I can't, I can't remember which yeah. is which. Halloween is like a. That, that particular song is like a crazy, like a new wave kind of synth bass that's, song. That's an Austin guy, right? Well, he. Al yeah. Jorgensen's synth Jorgensen, Texas. I think. Yeah. yeah, I think Bastrop's almost telling me. I remember when I was working at Best Buy, some guy came in. <laughs> looking for a fucking palm pilot or something this is dating but he's like yeah al jorgensen was beating down my door for some drug money and i'm like huh i didn't know this shit went out you know yeah it's but that's crazy and then he followed anthrax on tour for a whole year for some reason that was one of the greatest things scott ian was like i don't know why al jorgensen's fought around and they were on headbangers ball and al jorgensen's in the background just like lurk, lurking just around. lurking for yeah. anthrax it's so crazy anyway yeah amazing tangent but so what, so what, when you, did you drop out of school? You're just like, fuck this. I don't want no, to. No, I just, I just, I traveled a lot. Yeah. And I, I, uh, when you I said London my, for one, my, right? my, my ridiculous and profligate twenties. Yeah. I was a ridiculous. Youth. What makes you ridiculous? No, just the choices I made and the things that I thought were cool, the things I tried to do. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, li- I lived in Nashville twice. Mm-hmm. I lived in, uh, New York, uh, tried New York for a second. I was in North Carolina. I drove to LA in '99, mm-hmm. wow. and was just like, "I'm going to go to LA." What and so I drove my car from Nashville to LA. Did you have a plan? Uh, no, did lost it. The, the, the car threw a rod in the Mojave Desert oh, outside Jesus. of Barstow, right where Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas begins. No kidding. Yeah. So right where they're about to see the bats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My car is still there. No shit. So we walked to a town called Yermo. And waited at a twenty-four, the only twenty-four-hour diner in the Hobby Desert. You and a girlfriend, you and a buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. my buddy Chris rode out there with me, and uh, this is awesome. Best friend who's like, yeah, totally, I'll go to LA with you. That's amazing. He was was awesome. Is awesome. And uh, car breaks down. Got went got to LA. Worked at a record store. Had no money. Had no car in Los Angeles. It was oh my god, man! It was it was spectacular bullshit. <laughs> and then I got a job moving boxes at Universal. This and and movie studio? I worked my ass off moving boxes one day. And a guy's like, "You want a job?" I said, "Yes." And so I was the producer's PA on the very first Fast and the Furious. Are you kidding me? No. So From I was boxes. In the, I was in the production PA. office of the Fast and the Furious. And broke. I was basically homeless. I had yeah. this really, really awful girlfriend. <laughs> Do you meet her there? In LA, yeah. Yeah, it's gotta oh, be awful she was, then. She was bomb hot. <laughs> oh, she was so good looking and, and she was But terrible person. I was probably it was it was easily one of the worst decisions I've ever made in my yeah. life romantically. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever you know, emotional abuse is is uh, under under uh, diagnosed. I'm 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 not exaggerating to use that term. I'm sure you're not. Okay, so uh, but I had like rotating five hundred dollars cash every day to do whatever they needed. The mm-hmm. director and producer. Right. I was half the time driving the director's car. Mm-hmm. I'm driving around this Mercedes convertible. I'm going to all these places with this, the producer of this film that made tons of money. That was amazing franchise. And, and I had I was broke as a joke and basically homeless. That's so. Crazy. And it was it was very much the L.A. thing. Yeah, it's like moonlighting so socioeconomic status. And right? and and, uh, and I just didn't like L.A. I had to go. Yeah. Was it the people? Because that's what it is for me. Uh, 
I had some of the worst fucking luck paired with some of the worst fucking decisions. Yeah. That, uh, you know, maybe L.A. would be great if I went back. Right. You know, but well, you're I, different now, though. Sure. Totally and and it's, it's, it's also one of those things like New York and Los Angeles and London and Paris and, and Moscow and everywhere else. Yeah. It's huge, I'm sure. But it, the luck of where you jump into that pool. Yeah. Like who you meet, what job <laughs> yeah. you get, what roommate you get, what relationship you get into. It's, it's, right. it's you know, I could have gone to L.A. 10 different times. You know, in different dimensions and like would have been totally and, different and if, if thing, I'd right? Got, yeah, if, depending on where I lived and what job I got and who I met, I might have had a blast or yeah. been wildly successful. As it was, but I, your luck was I, shit. You're saying no, no, that city kicked the shit out of me. Oh man, so where'd you go after LA? Uh, back to Mississippi for a back, while. Okay, and then uh, I threw a dart at a map and I moved to Austin, Texas. That would have been about insane. 2001. Really, you've been yeah. here since 2001? No. Okay, and then 2003. I did the same thing again, and I took two bags and $500, and I moved to New York City. Back and forth. Mm -hmm. How was New York for you? Uh, I'm glad I went. Were you... I was there for almost, almost 10 years. But you, So, you know, we're talking about you're doing music, you're moving boxes, being a PA to yeah. production, or the direction, director's yes. executive producer, probably, or something like that. Yeah. And so, at what point do you make that crossover into service? I didn't. You never did. Uh, well, I mean, not behind the bar. Yeah. I was always worked in restaurants, coffee shops, whatever. Just w like waiting. And yeah. Okay. And uh, the bar happened because I had service background. Uh, I was when I first moved to New York. I was uh, in Astoria, Queens. Mm -hmm. So really far from the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twelve, thirteen blocks to get to a train to get into the city, and yeah. it was just broke as a joke. And I was sleeping under a dining room table in this three-bedroom apartment with three or four guys living there. No kidding. It was filthy. It was a bunch of young wannabe artists and right. actors. Um, some of my friends from Mississippi. No kidding. They all chain-smoked, and I didn't smoke. Um, it was yeah. disgusting. Were you hocking up all the time? Oh, yeah. And I, I, I slept under the dining room table so that they wouldn't stomp on me when they came in wasted. Oh, Jesus. And... Uh, Kind and of amazing, I, though. It's, very, I, it's, a, it's a New York story. Profound kind of story. I took yeah. the first two jobs I could get, coffee shop and uh, hosting at a shitty restaurant. Mm -hmm. And uh, within six weeks, one of the guys couldn't pay his rent. I'm like, cool. I'll pay the rent. I get your room. You sleep under the table. Yeah. And Is that I, how it went? Yeah. You just work your ass off. Everything's coming up Floyd now. So I went to uh, this bar called Milk and Honey. And I had heard about it, and heard it was this cool little secret thing. Mm -hmm. I didn't know shit about drinks. I didn't know shit about anything. Yeah. I drank, you know, stu the, uh, stupid uh, shots two, and beers. Two thousand one, two thousand. No, you said two thousand three. You went two, back, right? Uh, yeah. So I don't. I don't remember exactly when Milk and Honey opened, but it was. Um, so this is probably two thousand four or five. Okay. I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, Did you, you know? Like and it? I don't remember which year it was. You know, because I don't know. When, I don't remember when they opened. Yeah, but I walked in and and I sat down and and you know at this point I'm I'm a younger and I'm I'm way more energetic and I'm yeah. way more fresh faced and, and and innocent and I'm just chatting with the bar guy and oh this just reminds me of New Orleans and I love New Orleans and you know I started talking about New Orleans because I grew up just north of there yeah, Mississippi sure. spent a lot of time there and uh, it was Sasha Petrosky sure and he started giving me drinks in that he would make a drink and hand it to me and say. This is a Vucare. Okay. And a Vucare is this, and this is why it's special. Very appropriate. And this for New is Orleans, the this right? is the history. And this is why it's good. 
drink it. And I don't remember ever ordering a drink from him at that point. Yeah. We made friends. He, uh, I guess this was later because, uh, because he had Little Branch open. Mm-hmm. And he invited, I didn't, so I don't know who the fuck this is. Right. It's a dude giving you drinks. It's, it's, it's a really nice guy that I get along with super well. Yeah. He invites me to Little Branch. And so I just start going. And he would, you know, this is a Sazerac. Yeah. Let me tell you what a Sazerac is. Let me tell you why you need to drink a Sazerac. And this is a drink that takes a journey. And I'm going to tell you why yeah. as it changes temperature. And uh, probably the, the second night I knew him, I was sitting, we closed down Little Branch. And he was closing down and he walked over and he brought me his entire cash drawer and he plopped it down in front of me and he said, count that and walked off. And that was when I had first met him. Yeah. No kidding. And so he was just this really awesome friend. Dude. At that point, Sasha was living in the storage room above Little Branch. Okay. Okay. He was living at his bar and showering at his gym and wow. dumping all of his money back into his bars to right. keep them afloat, quality and afloat. Sure. and. And I don't think anybody ever realized how hard he worked and never capitalized or sold out on, in some of the ways that some of us kind of wish he would have yeah. and made a little money off doing it. Um, because so much of what we do now wouldn't exist if he hadn't done it first. Right. I don't think you can overstate that. Yeah. And so I asked him for a job. Did you and, feel out of, your, out of your and he element said, doing that? No. Nah. nah. You're like, let's do yeah, it. I got balls, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a job. And he says, no. <laughs> uh, he says i don't hire actors wait really he yeah. pegged you as an actor well were you an actor yeah that's what oh. i did i told you so that's what, what you, that's what to... i did in new york city oh but not in la no i mean i I did some in la but in new york city i did it in earnest no kidding yeah i did i did a bunch of shows here in austin really i did uh, traveling uh educational theater mm-hmm. uh for kids Oh, wow. And Austin did did some, uh, but did so. How did he know like that Hyde you're Park in... Theater? No shit. Yeah. Did, and then was that something you were pretty transparent about being an actor? Or he could back just then? See it? Yes. Yeah, back then. And then I went to the Atlantic Theater School, uh, David Mamet's Theater School in, no in New York City. Yeah, love Mamet. And then I went to the T. Schreiber Acting Studio. So you really were? That was the you yeah. were take you were doing it. Did a bunch of theater. Did a bunch of off Broadway and never got on Broadway. No kidding. Did uh, one or two commercials. So what? Um, but so this wrote, is, wrote a bunch of plays and directed and produced a couple. No shit. Yeah. Do people know this about you? No. It's amazing how, how much it. of a renaissance man you are. Well, that was my thing and what I wanted to do, and I got really burnt out. Yeah. Uh, at a certain point, and uh, at that point, I had started bartending, and kind Did of Sasha sh- give you a gig eventually. Eventually, yeah. I started bartending at a dive bar in Queens, in Astoria, Queens, called the Sparrow. Mm-hmm. And the Sparrow, when it first opened, was a great rock and roll bar. And yeah. we was loud and we played all kinds of crazy music and we listened to Clutch and we'd listen to yes. Old Ramones and Misfits and, yeah. and we'd set shit on fire and we just made <laughs> ridiculous drinks and a guy would come in and be like, hey man, make me a fruity shot. And you'd say, no, you can drink whiskey, you're nothing. <laughs> Get and, the fuck out. Yeah, and it was, it was that kind of bar. Yeah. It was, it was is it still around? Lovely, yeah. Sparrow's still there. Still in yeah. the same spirit as yeah. it was? Uh, yeah, it's, it's not as dirty. It's Damn. not as quite as wild, uh, but a lot of the same people are still there. That's very cool. I yeah, so when I go out. back, it's, it's a lot of the same people. Yeah, that's rad. Uh, so that was my very first bartending job. And I kept working. And eventually, when Sasha partnered up with Catherine to open the first Weather Up, mm-hmm. that's when I, I was talking to him one day. He said, "Oh, by the way, you're going to work for me at Weather Up." 
And not no conversation. No, none. And so he trained me uh, up for that. Yeah. And then I had already started managing at that point, and then and then at that point I started doing more consulting work. So at some point though, you have to make that choice between doing. I I know you can moonlight as a bartender or a manager or whatnot, but at some point you had to give up the acting bit, yeah. No, I just got burned out. Yeah, you just you, know, you walked away willing. I did a lot of. I did some really fantastic theater. I did stuff that I was proud of. Yeah. Um, speaking of James Earl Jones, uh, yeah, uh, I did a the last play I ever did was Much Ado About Nothing. Okay, and the lead in that, uh, and it was in a play in the Lower East Side, and one of the marquees, one of the little posters they had, yeah, uh, was of James Earl Jones, young. Performing in the same theater. No and, kidding. Yeah, so cool. That's so amazing. And so I did the the Fringe Festival in New York. Uh, did a two man show there. Uh, Can you I did. Tell- I also did a lot of shitty theater. Well, you have to to do the just, good. Just, you got to do the to bad. To stay working. Yeah. To take a risk on this director. You don't know this writer. You don't know. Right. To meet more people because it's incredibly difficult to meet the right people in New York. You got to yeah. meet everybody. So. Is and at a- some point, I got a little burnt out. And when when I started acting less, and uh, the bar world picked up for me, yeah, and became something that I took really seriously, sure. and I was and I'm, was perfectly happy for that to be and what it, I and did. It does appeal to those tendencies, or rather, those sensibilities as well as an actor. Honestly, when you sure. deal with people, there is a persona you're putting out there, you're projecting. Sure, in a sense, like it's not that you're being disingenuous, but you do get the chance to perform in a sense. Yeah. Well, and there's also. Um, and and you see that you see a lot of this with a lot of the young the young bucks coming up or yeah, a lot yeah. of people is you, you you take it on as an identity right like what do you do oh I'm a cocktail guy yeah. this is what I do but who are you and yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so and so that's you know there there is that part of it and they're yeah. all you know were you are you were you big into movies as well big film fans? I did I did some yeah. um, but personally like just for enjoyment oh absolutely huge would it, anything really particularly influential actor wise. Anybody you really enjoyed? Mm, I went to the same studio uh, as Ed Norton. No kidding. Yeah, T. Schreiber. And so I always watched. I loved watching what he did. He's a brilliant actor. Yeah, sure. And and you know, I don't think everything he did is perfect. No, no of course not. not. Like a, I think but he's got range stay. at least. Oh, he's got great range, yeah. and I like watching what he does. Um, I performed at the Public, and the Public was. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman's. Oh, wow. Like where he had his residency with his theater company. Um, And so he was kind of a a presence. Yeah. I never met him. Sure. Um, But but I mean, that doesn't matter. But he was a a presence in in the scene. And so, so, oh, you love like the stuff he was capable of doing. Wonderful. Uh, And he was just completely unafraid to play uh, some really weak, awful, or or pathetic characters. Yeah. You know? But also the opposite. Yeah, very domineering and sure, but like Twenty Fifth Hour with Ed Norton. Yes, he gets to play oh, such, such a, a feeble, such a pathetic character, kind of a perv even. Yeah, he and, and, that, or and in, stuff uh, with he and in Anna Paquin, Boogie Nights, Boogie Nights, uh, Don, no, not Donnie. Is it Donnie? I can't remember. His, his you know what I'm talking about? I totally know. It's like you want to see my Camaro? I got a Camaro. <laughs> yeah, and he tries to kiss Mark Wall. It's a minute. He is God. That was a fucking terrible loss, man. Yeah, I he, agree, hundred percent. He was one of the grittiest actors that I was able to ever see. And he played everything. And he did it in such an amazing, immersive way. Like a Moneyball. I was watching Moneyball the other day. Yeah, yeah, He's the coach. I'm like, 
Jesus Christ, he's a dick. And I hear J- Jonah Hill talks about having to walk on set with him, and he's like total method actor. Oh, you yeah. Know? So it's like he's already in character. You can't fuck He's around. already being a dick. Exactly. Yeah. He's already being a dick. That's a big loss. And uh, it's good to reflect on that for a second because, you know, you're imbued with the spirit of his, would you call it a team, his pact, his union? Yeah. Something like that, right? His, you know, you're a part of that community. Yeah. It's incredible stuff, man. So the weather up bit with Sasha and Catherine, yes. you said, yes. how did you like it? It was great. Yeah. You know, the uh, weather up Brooklyn has always been one of my favorite cocktail bars mm-hmm. because it's very, very Brooklyn. Uh, we, this is back when we cracked ice, like we froze hotel pans in, uh, in deep freezes in the, and yeah. we, we literally chiseled every piece of ice. That's amazing. And, oh yeah, we weren't we weren't chainsawing Klein bells. I want to think it was Richie Bacato who actually started doing that. Oh really? Yeah. So you were um, there at a very important and pivotal point for that scene. It seems. Well, like. you know, Richie, it was it was funny when Sasha trained me. He said, "You know, between you and Richie, I don't know why I haven't been hiring actors the whole time." Because <laughs> Richie Bacato was an actor. <laughs> was and he, he really? was a film actor uh, who was working the door at Little Branch. No shit. Yeah. That's incredible. But I mean, I guess, you know, if you throw a dart, you can hit a musician or an yeah, actor. Yeah, it's totally. So, so but, that's, but that was Richie's background, too. That's crazy. And uh, it makes for good, makes for a good spiritual background, I think, to be in this industry. Sure. But you also, we also learn really quickly. Yeah. You know, if you've. Smart, because you, you have to memorize lines, which is oh, not man. an easy task. You know, we did that. Uh, if, if, if you were auditioning on a regular basis or acting on a regular basis or doing what a lot of us did, doing three shows at once. Yeah. Then, yeah. Then you want you your memory is like a muscle. Yeah. If you're absolutely. doing it all the time, then you're capable of just uh, consuming vast swaths of information and yeah. then dumping it as soon as you don't need it again. It's a, it's brilliant and it is a good skill. It takes a while you, to get there. Sure, but and then it, once and you're then there, it, and then that's it, actually yeah. But I couldn't do it now. I'd have to build right. back up to it. Yeah, but you did it then. Yeah, sure. As long as you did it at one point, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. Would you mind if I ask you how you feeling post Sasha now? such a I'm not going to pretend like I had interactions with Sasha I'm not sure. going to pretend like he influenced me personally but sure. I know the breadth of his influence on sure. everybody around me I don't think industry. it can be overstated and I don't want to be cliche at no all. Th- he so was this is the thing no one's really talked about this at detail and so right. there's no risk of it being cliche right there's not been any overstatements at all it's condolences condolences but I want to know from someone that seemingly was given wonderful opportunities from the guy yeah like how are you feeling he was an uh, i miss him it was tragic he was an incredibly good-hearted guy yeah he was weird as the day is long <laughs> right. he, he was a kooky dude yeah and always has been you know and he never uh cashed in the way he could have and a lot of people who came after and immediately started doing what he was doing cashed in very quickly um but a a lot of people will say well you know we'd have done it anyway without milk and honey without sasha a lot of that's going to be bullshit sure um he was so devoted to figuring out these these little ways of, of chipping the ice um of of putting his book together, yeah, and he was the first who really did it that way. Uh, he was the and, pioneer, and, yeah, and all of these all of these more formal ways of service that we require, 
And he always said, he said, I just want a bar. I want to build the bar that I want to be in yeah. is all I'm trying to do. You know, and he was, and, and, and he had a great time. He wasn't a dick about it. Yeah. He told me one time, I remember him telling me this story at, at the original Milk and Honey, which is now Attaboy. Yeah, yeah. He was, you know, had a couple in there and the original Milk and Honey is sexy as shit, man. Yeah. Sexy little place. Four, four seat bar, maybe. Amazing. And he's counting the money. He's doing it. And there's a couple in the back, you know, and there's probably five booths in the place. Yeah. And and he, he does, he's locked the door so he doesn't care and he's just shutting down in new york city you just lock the door who yeah, cares right, it's, right. it's already 4 30 a.m and he looks back and the girl is in the booth her back is to him and she's obviously riding the guy she's oh, obviously fuck. straddled him <laughs> and they're they're fucking in his bar right and he said i just kind of shrugged and went back to counting my money and he's like <laughs> i've built a sexy place and i play sexy what do I, expect? I play sexy music and i give people alcohol right. what do i expect to happen exactly that's good. It's, a, it's an amazing, humble way to look at it. Yeah. Like, well, they're getting fucked. That's cool, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, what, did I ex- what else would I expect? The, the tragic thing for Sasha to me is he was starting to, to break out of his shell more. San Antonio Cocktail Conference, yeah. uh, Bohannon's, and all these other things. He had more. He was starting to talk to all of the people who wanted him to, like, oh, come in. Let's make a liquor brand together. He right, always right. said no. Oh, let me... Let's do, I want you to do all of the hotels in my chain. He yeah. always said no. Why do you he think said, that is? He said no, no, no. And he told us right off the bat. He says, if you ever do a reality show, <laughs> I will disown you. Believe me. That's amazing. And it's like, I will, you will be fucking dead to me. Um, is, he is he that really he cared was, about the, the art. Oh, absolutely. And, and he was just starting to, he had just gotten married. Yeah. And man, that was something he wanted so badly. Um. And you know, it was was starting to do more consulting work, I think, and and had a had a bar. He had been he and I had been talking actually about this bar he wanted to open in Red Hook. Mm-hmm. He had a, he had a new place, and I forget the name of it. And when he when he came down and was hanging out at Half Step, uh, he had the he had graph paper and he had all the bar equipment cut out of graph paper, and he was moving graph paper around like a little really? diorama. Yeah. And this is how he was going to figure This is how he did his bar. He didn't have a, he never had a, an iPad or yeah. anything like that. He cut, out, he cut out graph paper and he carried it around with him in a little notebook. That's insane. And he was just, a, he was a great hearted guy. Um, and think- I, I think so many bars would not exist. So many of us, Richie Picado would be doing something else entirely. Yeah. I would, you know, I don't know if I'd be in Austin. Who knows CSI, where I'd be. Maybe. So many people that I know that have gotten, uh, gotten married yeah gotten all these jobs have have i don't i think a lot of it would not have happened the way it did without sasha he really codified it and became kind of this this person who did it first and yeah. then and then the other bars the other great bars opened after that yeah so he he's the one that paved it, he paved I, it I, I really believe that and 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 you know some of it would have happened eventually but the way that like you have to have a good bar now yeah. In New York City for for ten years, you can't read the New York Times for a new restaurant. Read that review, and they don't talk about the bar. Yeah, they're always going to talk about the bar. Changed it. It's a thing now. Yeah, changed the whole dynamic, the whole narrative. It's. I wish I would have got a chance to know him. You know, um, he was he wasn't the most social of guys. He yeah. was a very quiet bartender. You know, but brainiac. He, he was he was goofy. Yeah. I, I loved him to death, man. He and I got along great. What's well, it's it's good that. We're here and like it drives us to do good things. Sure. Because you know? I, I feel nothing but 
the the impetus for greatness after that something like that happens you know mm. we've lost a couple great people this oh, year oh yeah so. Maddie Thompson yeah that that fucking slayed me man that came out of nowhere and I think that at any moment because we're we're, we're in this industry that it does involve alcohol it does involve fast living fast women cigarettes like all this kind of thing and sure we're always putting ourselves at risk of really uh, perishing to it oh, of course you know. No. Well, let's well, take let's take a moment then to, to describe how we're perishing ourselves here. A moment to end. Oh, uh, we've got the, the, the Elmer T. Lee. Yeah, you picked the Elmer T. Lee normal. It's a barrel select though, which is interesting. It's this is Elmer T. Lee calls his brand the honey barrels. That's the word, the phrase he always used. Okay. And this is forty five percent, ninety proof, and just such a wonderful bourbon, man. How do you feel about Elmer T. I'm loving it. Yeah. I don't want to do anything to it. I don't want ice. Nothing. I don't right. want to put this in a cocktail. Mm-hmm. Um, this is outstanding. This is this is my kind of sipping. Yeah, it's really whiskey. You know how he drank it? No. Everybody's got their thing. So Jimmy Russell puts wild turkey in the freezer, from what I understand. Okay. Elmer T. Lee would drink it with some Sprite. That was his thing. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I love it. I love how each of these guys just have their own method. So you know I grew up in a really country-ass place i will not assume but i'll take your word mcgee mississippi right Mm -hmm. and so there's this character that i that i grew up with he was a buddy of my uncle's Uh this tall lanky uh great guy but if you use the word cracker yeah you know he's a redneck and uh he always drank he had one of those big like really worn in big gulp cups Uh uh and he drank something like there's some plastic bottle Canadian Hunter, Canadian, <laughs> Canadian some, Hunter. Okay, I think it was Canadian Hunter. Yeah. And he had a little measuring cup, and he kept it in this toolbox in the back of his, you know, the big toolbox in the back of your pickup Right, cup. right. And he would uh, get his cup, and he would, had a little measuring cup, and he would measure out a couple of shots of Canadian Hunter uh, ice and then fill it up with Coca-Cola. And yeah. he called it his Lucy. For some <laughs> reason, that cup was his Lucy. It loosened him up, and, I guess. And, or... and when, he, when he needed to... Uh, fill it up. He'd say, oh, "I got to go recharge my Lucy," <laughs> and he drank that. He didn't drink water. He didn't drink coffee. He didn't drink that orange juice. He drank that shit twenty four seven. That's amazing. Until after you, God knows how many years he'd been doing that all day every yeah. day. His doctor said, "You keep doing that, you're gonna die, or have <laughs> di- like, you're gonna have diabetes." Yeah. Uh, and he switched to Coke Zero. <laughs> didn't take the bourbon out. No, nope. the, kid- the Canadian, Canadian, Canadian yeah. hunter. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah, recharging the Lucy. I love it, man. So everybody's got you got. We all got our methods, right? But the idea of only drinking one thing all day, every day—that's a bit. I mean, there's some great whiskeys I'd love to drink for years, but then I got to switch yeah, at some point. I'm, and I guess I'm spoiled, you know. Every every occasion or every every moment, every every uh, environment, mm-hmm. every mood—you got to. There's a drink that suits it. Are you a bourbon guy? I never really. I'm a, I'm a big a whiskey I figured, guy. Right? I've, we've got a, a Andrea and I have a, a bunch of stuff at the house. Um, the one thing I actually have to buy on a semi regular basis uh-huh. is whiskey. Yeah, yeah. So we've what got is, we've got rums and aquavit, and we've got and they're there. Mari and and, and, them, and we, we 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 drink those a little at a time. Bunch sure. of gins. Got some navy strength genius gin. Thank you so much. I yeah. hope that it, it treats you well. Oh yeah, and I use that in some of my cocktails. But the one thing, if we, we get in, and one of the things I loved about her right off the bat uh-huh. is she is a whiskey drinking girl. That's amazing. She's a 
splash of whiskey in a glass and she's happy that's so and she's cool. not one of those girls who, who does it fake trying to be cool right. she like enjoys that's, it that's what she drinks so that's so i feel lucky in a similar way so we went to ladia dennis and charles we all went down to oaxaca last year and she'll drink ladia will drink mezcal now she loves it Ooh. and i'm like yeah this is perfect that we're yeah married. this is a great that we're getting married absolutely she could say like you know sarah kenya is really wondering you know she enjoys the stuff and it's such a joy because it's hard to not have not share that stuff with the person sure. you love man yeah it, it, it's difficult you know in 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 uh in my in my many many years uh you know <laughs> as an actor trying trying trail of dead of women floyd no no, no, no. <laughs> trying to trying to date somebody who doesn't understand that you're that you're serious about uh ethanol as a career yeah you know yeah. is uh that's that's a, a tough match it's bound to be very tough so because a lot of people you know they just think well, alcohol is just this facilitator of bad behavior you know you're just doing well, it to, to, to be loose very often <laughs> it, it is but <laughs> there's also something in the best of cases good about it yeah oh well i mean it's it's a social thing sure i love talking about this if you think about it from a, like an anthropo anthropological point of view everybody almost figured out how to turn whatever sugar source they had into right. ethanol yeah, on their sure. own. Absolutely. No matter where they were. Out of necessity. You figure out that if you left this pineapple in the sun for a while, it yep. tasted funny and made you feel good. Everybody figured out ethanol with sure. whatever they had. Rice, potatoes, wheat. Absolutely. Fruit, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, it's part. It's and, ingrained and, in our evolution. And, 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 of course, and, of course, actual distillation techniques had to be brought over. Sure. But, but ethanol was around... Uh, in a lot of different places for a long time and it, wherever it did show up it was always drank communally yeah it's a social thing you're totally right um wherever it showed up whether it was somebody found it you know in the far east made it right, rice right, right. whatever uh it was it was something that was religious yeah or social sure you know it wasn't it almost across the board ethanol something that we do together yeah if if an alien landed they would <laughs> and saw what we do as, as far as our bars are concerned right places we go to consume a toxic chemical together sure and pay out the nose they'd for, have no fucking idea why pay out the nose yeah because a Budweiser don't cost nothing to drink at home. Right. Ethanol, you, you can get a, a plastic jug, a Canadian Hunter, or whatever it's called. <laughs> Are you working really, for Canadian really, Hunter? Really, I don't even what? know if that's the name. <laughs> uh, really cheap yeah. and drink it at the house, but people want to do it socially, and they, they pay out the nose for it. You're totally that's why right. It's why I, I have a job. It's yeah. why, you know. I've got a business, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe. You know. Well, so when, do you, when did you head back to, to Austin from, um, from Weather Up? Three years ago. Three years ago. Yeah. And you were working. I met you. At that point, I was running a bar called the Vanderbilt. Oh. I had opened three restaurants for a Michelin-starred chef named Saul Bolton. No kidding. Yeah. And what started kind of, at, started as, as a consultant and then... and then. What kind of food was it with the... Uh, he was all over the map. Got it. Okay. You know, it did a lot of charcuterie, but he, all of that was in-house. Yeah. Uh, it would have fit in really, really well in Austin. It wasn't on like Second Bar and Kitchen or someplace like gotcha. that. So why'd you come back? Um, got burned out on New York City, yeah. and and most and a lot of it was family. I had sure. a cousin. You said uh, your sister lives in Irving. Right? Yeah, she's you know she's got a kid up in Irving. Uh, my first cousin had passed away very suddenly. I was I just really wanted to get back where I could be closer to my family. Yeah, where I can get in my car and go see somebody. Yeah, 
There's something about that too, that getting in the car and just kind of being able to Well, I feel like I was shirking a lot of my responsibilities, quite frankly, as everybody's getting older. Yeah. You know, my, you know, folks getting older, my extended family's getting older. uh, I expect my sister to deal with all this shit while I'm jacking off in New York City. Yeah. You know, trying to be an actor or or be a rock star or whatever. No. So actually, I mean, that's really noble of you. No, it's not. I mean, no, no, no. It, you're doing the it's, right it's thing. It's the bare fucking minimum that you can expect of a normal human being. No, I know, but a lot of people, noble. Don't, they don't even think about that. You know what I mean? They no, don't think bullshit, about like, what well, bullshit. Like, like noble is, is you know, is Johnny running into the, running into the burning church at the end of The Outsiders. Right. You know, <laughs> okay. act, and you know, taking, so you're saying it's a taking, bit... taking the trash out because it's your day to take the trash out right. is a fucking noble. No, it's that's doing not, what, that's it's, not. It's doing what you're supposed to do. It is, man, and that's the thing. It's like it's about manners, right? Some people will say that, oh, well, you open the door for people, so you're going above and beyond. But no, that's the basic for us. But I'm oh, just absolutely, saying, it's a bare I, minimum. Yeah, it's a bare minimum. But I'm saying that the the, the dynamic and the narrative of that, and taking care of family, being there for people in general, that is not the norm. Now. I want to. I want to hang. I, I want to hang out with people, and I want to relate with people. Yeah. Um. That that is exactly what is expected. Sure. You I know. do too. Absolutely. I find I, I like those people a lot more. Actually, there was a girl at work the other day that let the door slam in my face, and I vowed to the universe that if I ever interviewed her for a job, she's not getting it. <laughs> <laughs> There's no fucking way. And it wasn't even, it was not, it's not even personal. It's just like, you're so, how can you be good at your job if you're not even going to be thoughtful enough to open the door, leave it open for another foot, another couple seconds, right? Yeah. I was so pissed. I was still pissed. I remember exactly who this fucking lady is. Never getting a job. If I ever interview her, I swear to fucking Christ, not getting the job. Fair enough. Yeah. And I'm not even an angry person. But that's just like the principle. No, that rubbed you the wrong way. It's terrible. You're not an angry person, but you hold a grudge. I, man, I'm really good. I'm vendetta, vendetta. vendetta. I don't know why. Fair it's enough. horrible, man. Fair enough. Oh, wait, oh, man. Speaking to the grudge thing, too, we went uh, we went to go see this movie Spotlight this weekend at the okay. drive test. It's a great movie about an expose of the Catholic Church and how they covered up those priests and stuff in the early 2000s. And there was a, an older lady to the right of Ladia, and she, I wasn't, I didn't notice it until Ladia had this real frown, and she's just like, "This fucking lady's bracelet keeps jingling." And <laughs> we're in the movie, and you know, a normal person, even if you've got a drink or a glass of wine at the Alma Draft House, take a sip, put your hand by your side, no big deal. Maybe a little jingling. This lady was twitchy as shit. And she just would keep going. And so I was getting, Ladia was really frustrated because it was so loud and obnoxious. And I pulled my keys out. <laughs> and I started shaking them every time she would pick up her bracelet because it sounded like keys. And I would just start shaking. I'm like, here, take the keys. Just shake them every time. That's the kind of grunge, the grudge that I built. It's all fucking horrible. You you waged war in the middle of an I, Alamo <laughs> movie theater. Rather than, get, rather than getting up and moving. <laughs> we couldn't. Which, it was, there's, there's very few seats. We couldn't have moved. I mean, it's like, and we thought, well, do you tell the server at that point that like this person's jingling too much? Like, how the fuck do you put that on the little piece of paper, you know? Anyway, yes, I certainly do find creative ways to act out my grudges. Okay, so beware, everybody enough. that might be listening. Like, who knew? Who knew? It's terrible. Like, here's my keys. Make a bunch of noise. <laughs> if I can't enjoy this movie, then fuck her experience. <laughs> That's it. And anybody <laughs> else around us, fuck them too. But there were some, apparently some other people that were visually upset prior to my vengeance of right. shaking the keys. So it, Fair it, enough. It, it's funny. but So you went to, I met you at Drinkwell. I know you were working there for a bit. You obviously were still doing Weather Up. Yes. But a good opportunity came up with a new project. 
Yes. Tooks you takes you out from behind the bar. Yes. Puts you into a more business role. Yes. It seems like. And that's sourced Source. cocktails. Yes. So where did that all start? Um Tim Angelillo reached out to me. He was in Los Angeles at the time. He lives here. Uh-huh. Uh Tim is uh an Alabama boy. Do you guys have uh, a kin a kinship? Yeah, and yeah. the funny thing is you wouldn't guess it because he's been in Los Angeles for a long time or mm-hmm. New York City for a long time and moved right. around. He was head of e-commerce for Yahoo. No kidding. Yes. Oh, that's great. The head of marketing for, in, in some capacity, for Sports Illustrated. No shit. Yes. Uh, so he has, he has yeah, heavy, heavy business background. Yeah. E-commerce for Yahoo meant he was all over the map for all their businesses and all their, all their revenue Where the actual money and, was. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and thousands of people. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the delivery... The, del- the delivery model we're looking at uh, with Blue Apron, mm-hmm. with Plated, with all of the, the fashion models where you can rent uh, a wardrobe every month. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll bring you clothes, you wear them, and then you send them back, and they send you more clothes. Um, like the, the, with that box? There's that box yeah. you can get? Yeah, and so that's that's going to keep happening. Sure. People are, oh, yeah. People are, they want experiences. Yeah. They want a curated experience. 100%. And they don't want to have to go. They want someone to do it that might know them to do it for them. Sure. In the 80s or 90s, if you had a lot of money, you might want everything done for you. Right, right. Now, you look in, in New York City, you had these guys hiring consultants to tell them how to how to grow, you know, tomatoes on their roof. Yeah. You know, they want to, or how to have chickens. And they're spending shitloads of money for somebody to come build them a perfect little hen house right, so they can have right. eggs. And so people actually want to be involved in crafting something and making something and doing something. Yeah. But they're too busy to actually do it from scratch. And so that's where Blue, uh, Blue Apron comes in. Yeah. They send you everything to make, you know, food. You, like everything you need for this extravagant meal. Yeah, it's amazing. Based on the number of people. And you, you, you cook the meal and they have made it easy for you. But they you. give you the tools. But you still get to do it. Right. right. Plate is the same thing. Um Alcohol delivery is something people have toyed with for a while. Delivery.com, uh, cocktail courier. Drizzly. Drizzly. Yeah. Um, and then it, it made a big splash that Amazon delivered some booze in, I, I believe, Seattle. And I want to think it was a bottle of Tito. No kidding. Yes. And so it's in the mail. Yeah. That's that's going to happen. Sure. Um, no matter what, what the TTB what, can what do about we, it. What yeah. we have done is uh, we, sp- we spent the first year uh, mostly in legal, mm-hmm. making sure we could do it legally. Right. Uh, and we got our license in three states. That's amazing. Calif- Which states? California, Colorado, and Texas. Great states, And too. then launched in, in Texas. So not going East Coast first. Yeah. Going to other other cities first. Looking well, the, at the laws are easier. Though. Austin, Austin, Dallas, Houston, Denver. Denver, yeah. Um, and then and then looking at Southern California. So tell me the, the, the concept. So me, I'm around on a wednesday night sure it's an app that i interact with you've uh it's it's a website website it's yeah. optimized for your phone so mobile adaptive yeah okay. totally um you've been to half step you've been yes. to drink well and you've sure. been to weather up midnight cowboy uh you've been you know about little branch uh-huh. and dutch kills and the varnish right right and all these fantastic bars we're we're trying to deliver that we are delivering that experience. That's amazing. Uh, so it's everything you need to make, say, a gold rush. Uh huh. Okay. And it's 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 the same specs that Sasha put down in writing a long time ago for a gold rush. So it's the fresh squeezed lemon juice in a little jar, 
It's the three to one honey syrup in a little jar. It's amazing. It's uh, a good bourbon, um, and I believe for that one we're using Buffalo Trace. Mm-hmm. Um, Personal favorite. Thank you, Floyd. <laughs> my pleasure. Um, and it, but it's also coming with uh, ice to shake it with to give it that quick shake before you dump it on the rock because yeah. it's one of those two step cocktails. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it comes with the same the same Libby rocks glass you might find in any of those bars. Yeah, uh, and it's coming with Climbell ice. So we're it comes with a jigger. It literally comes with everything, so that you could you could get this in your backyard and never go inside and just have a cocktail party. You could get it in a parking lot. You could get it in your boardroom. Right. It's everything you need to make X amount of this cocktail. And presumably, you are not only empowering people mm-hmm. to learn more about cocktails and feel the freedom to make more of them, sure. different types, but you are you're creating like an ecosystem for them to come back, right? Yeah. It's like, well, this is good. Let me sure. try the gimlet. Yeah, me, absolutely. You know, and bring it back. And so ultimately, is there's an educational aspect to it. Oh, absolutely. And a lot of people have never, the number of people who have never made their first old fashioned, their yeah. hands shake because right. they're nervous yeah. making an old fashioned. <laughs> yes, you have to realize people have never done it. Yeah. It's like making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It's not hard at all. Right. It's probably the same number of steps. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it's, that's a good point. It's, but it's, for us, that's how simple it is. But but them making their old fashioned, they're so excited about it. They're right. they're having so much fun doing it. I mean, to tell them what bitters are, and to tell them how many drops to put in. Yeah, and you have to you know here's the sugar cube, and and we use this kind of sugar cube, but not that kind of sugar cube because right. this one's smaller than this one. You don't want it too sweet. And so if I so let's say I'd like I imagine there's a Manhattan build somewhere in there. Sure. So I order it. What comes? Uh, I'm at the house. I right. order it through the site. Mm-hmm. What's that that experience like then for me? I'm at the house uh, waiting for this. Within ingredient. within three hours is what we ask. Most people are actually surprisingly most people are ordering and setting them up ahead of time. Yeah. Um, and then we deliver it to your house. It comes in a in a bourbon barrel that we've had repurposed. Oh, cool. Uh, so it's about it's about a foot high and two feet across. We yeah. have smaller barrels and big barrels. Um, and it's got compartments in it until you get barware. Um, jiggers if you need it, shakers if you need it, mm-hmm. uh, Hawthorne strainer, julep strainer, whatever oh, you need. So cool. Uh, in little jars, you might get uh, orange peel or lemon peel that we've just peeled. Right. Because we'll pack the barrel for your order. Um, just in time. Sh- sugar is, cubes, yeah. bitters, and the bitters come in in droppers, mm-hmm. so that you can you can. A lot of people don't know what a dash is. Right. 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 Um, and it can be more consistent, and then good booze. Uh, and then we pack it. We bring it to you. Glassware comes. Ice ice comes. Really, and, so and it's we like have, a full experience. And when and Javi is is making our our climb bell ice. ice. Yeah, and that's then, amazing. And we have these great um, backpacks that are that are insulated. Yeah. So we can and climb bell ice will last for a while. Mm-hmm. So it's bagged and then put inside this insulated backpack. We bring that and deliver it. You can stick it in your freezer. Yeah. And then whenever you're ready, you make your drinks. And you what's all, a, I, I imagine next, there's the ins- next day or two days later, you put all your dirty shit back in. And we pick it back up. Oh, cool. That's that's amazing. Anything gets broken or you decide you want to keep that cup. We, we had all of our cup copper cups, copper mugs for the for uh-huh. the mules, which people right. wanted. Um, we had them custom made, local Austin company. You want to keep it, we're going to charge you for it. Yeah. But just, the, just like you're wearing the, the robe home from a hotel. Yeah, absolutely. Or taking the keg home and keeping it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely. That's, a, that's incredible. <clears throat> so you're offering up. A full experience, not only with the ingredients, but it is of a, it's a temper. So you you have your event or you have the the learning session. Sure. Make this cocktail. You do everything. Yeah. Are you are you given like a full seven fifty? 
or is it just it depends. a dram? You can you okay. can order three seventy five, seven fifty liter handle. Oh, cool. And so we and we price it by that number of cocktails. And, gotcha. and with a with a normal classic cocktail, that's a two ounce pour per. Yeah. Very cool. And so and so I just repack it up and dirty. Stuff, throw it back in, don't sure. do shit. We'll and you pick guys it up. you yeah. guys take it up. Hundred percent. Anything that I keep at that point? I am sure there's all some the consu- all the consumables. Yeah. You know, instructions. And stuff. Yeah, I'll you consume them. Yeah. You know, everything that's that's glass or metal, throw it back in. That's so cool. Yeah. So when when did you say it launched in Austin? Uh, two months ago. Two months. And so, what I love about it is if if uh, like Josh Loving, who's uh-huh. been in here, yes sir, <laughs> uh, Josh and I were working at Half Step, mm-hmm. and we favored uh, some fried chicken and some biscuits, uh-huh. and we couldn't get fried we couldn't get biscuits. I think from Lucy's where we where we got the, oh, yeah. the fried chicken favored, so we got biscuits from KFC up the street. Sure. So we had them had them go to two fried chicken places. Yeah, because I wanted biscuits. And uh, you favor something, you're going to pay the full price for the fried chicken, right? Full price for the biscuits, and then you're going to pay a chunk on top of that to have it brought to you, sure, sure. as a convenience fee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, with us, um, it's not the it's same not cocktail, like like a, a bullet old fashioned mm-hmm. or Buffalo Trace Gold Rush. What would you expect to pay for that? So the whole deal? No. What would you expect to pay Just for, for the one for a bullet old fashioned? Or a Buffalo Trace Let's say Gold the Rush. the difference, 10 bucks. 10 bucks. Yeah. Okay. Um, most of the places I've worked, Bullet was 12. Yeah. 12 to eight, anywhere from 8 to 12. Yeah. Right. So I'm delivering those cocktails for between 5 and $8 a pop. Holy shit. Really? Yeah. Per cocktail. That's incredible. So rather than it being, you know what? I'd kill to have, you know, a varnished cocktail to, just brought to my door. Yeah. You know, I which I would expect to pay twenty dollars for somebody to bring that to my door. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, it's it's actually we've we've worked it out where it's 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 cheaper than getting it in the bar in most cases. No kidding. Yeah. Well, you guys do total premix cocktails too? No. Okay. No, TABC will not let us open a bottle or mix anything. I see. Okay. And so, and we could do that. We could mix everything together so that all you had to do was pour two things in the same glass. Right. But that's cutting out a lot of the the craftsmanship that sure. I think a lot of people want to do. They and want the it. educational nature, and the, yeah, they sit at, at these great bars and they watch people. You know, at, at the Van Zant, they yeah. sit at Geraldine's and they watch people jigger things, and make these beautiful cocktails. They want to do that, right? That's a, it's a an amazing piece of the market, man. So and we we have um, instruction cards, and then I shot a bunch of videos so cool. um, of me just me saying, "Hey guys, this is what <laughs> this is." And this is a jigger. Yeah. And let me show you how to make a gold rush. That's so cool. Yeah. What's the response been so far? People been great. It? Yeah. 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 People, you know, but it's a very specific demographic that wants to do it. You have people yeah. who want to make these kinds of cocktails. Sure. And want to host at home. That's so cool. Uh, I, I think it's going to, like, the growth is exponential because if Amazon's doing it, yep. then. They announced today, too, that they're, did you see that? In no. Austin, they're doing restaurant delivery. No. They just announced today fantastic so because good. because the more people get educated on oh i can have anything brought to right. me the more people are going to try something like what we do absolutely and because it's something new no one's ever had most people have not had liquor delivered before yeah much less liquor that they had to then make a cocktail with yeah and so it's it's a new thing it's not like you opened a coffee shop and say hey come to my new coffee shop because you know how to go to a coffee shop right i have a new it's a new concept yeah it's so. it's different People are different now. They're they're really open to that. They're open to the convenience and shit, man. Sometimes you just don't know even where to start. Like, where do I go to get the peel? Where do I go 
get all this stuff. Sure. So having and that, if, if that you know how to shop, do it, it's not hard to do. No, it's not. But if it's you do, but if you don't pop. have, but the, the people, you know, if you're, if you wanted to give your boss a birthday present, you could have this ordered to your office mm -hmm. and then put it on his desk. Be like, Hey, at five o'clock tonight, old fashioned, <laughs> you know, then, uh, for secretary's day. Sure. You could have French 75s. You could have a small barrel of six French 75s delivered. Yeah. Or I think our smallest for French 75s is 12, actually. But still. Uh, yeah. So here's here's French 75s for the office at Friday at 5 o'clock. It's perfect. And a lot of businesses are doing that. GSD&M. Yeah. Uh, Trend Kite. The Chive. A lot of people have had us in to do um, to do drinks for everybody. We, we work the, the big shared workspace on six in Congress. Yeah. Place is, that place is awesome. It's killer. Yeah. It's really, really good. So what's your, what's your title over there? I'm the creative director. No shit. Yes. Did you ever think you're going to be a creative director? Uh, Not being an advertising prim? I don't know. If the I, shoe fits. Yeah. I've, I've, uh, but I have, I have three partners. There's four of us. Yeah. So we have the CEO, the CTO, the CFO, and I'm the creative director. So, so everybody's cool. got, that that you, it's obvious what I'm in charge of. Sure. I'm in charge of your tactics, the, man. You, the you, the final product, yeah. Making sure it's good, making sure it's relevant, making sure people who have never would never have gone to Milk and Honey can enjoy the experience, yeah. And the people that would have gone to Milk and Honey aren't insulted by the experience. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, That's a great. Balance. And then we've got you know a brilliant tech person, and uh, Angela is is our our, our CFO, mm -hmm. and yeah, I don't want to do that. Yeah, I don't know how to do that. I couldn't do that. And so You're a soft it's, skills we, guy. We, no, we've we've got a really great A team. Yeah. That that lets me do my thing. That's incredible. It's a blast. So what's the site? The the address? Uh sourcedcraftcocktails.com. Okay. And and Dallas is the next uh is the next step. I think it's gonna be huge in Dallas too. I th I think Dallas is gonna be a blast. You guys have some plans for expanding? Uh we're actually doing a, a little shindig for a private plane company on Thursday in Jesus in, in Dallas. I just hear dollar signs. I'm sorry, yeah. I just do. Well, there's this company <laughs> called Rise, and if uh -huh. you you subscribe to them, uh -huh. and they they have planes, little planes that fly between Austin, Houston, and Dallas, like five times a day. No kidding. And if you're a subscriber, you just go get on a plane and go. I haven't even heard of this. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, and so we did we did one of their parties a week or so ago. Wow. And they had Teslas there. Yeah. The Tesla was one of the co-sponsors. Oh, that's amazing. And, oh, we had a blast. That's incredible. Yeah. So you like the shift more to this kind of business development piece? It's, um, you know, we're, we're, we've been doing our rounds of fundraising. You know, as you have a startup, you yeah. angel and yeah. you seed and, and you have A, B, and C and you have right. these rounds. Um, that's the kind of thing I'm, I'm learning. Yeah. I'm consuming so fast. Like we're sitting and, and, and pitching for, for seven figures. Right. You know. When, Nothing to scoff at, man. No, not at all. But it's it's but it's also I'm I've been thrust into a, into a pretty wild learning experience. Yeah, you know, most of my my marketing smarts are street level. Uh, Sometimes which, that's what it takes. Well, I I feel like I have you know, I, the great thing about my partners is they know if I come out of the bar world. They don't right. And so, do you ever see a return to acting? <laughs> uh, that was out of the blue um yes because uh the older i get and as i get older when i'm when i'm 60 when i'm 70 yeah. there are roles that i would love uh to tackle mm -hmm. that i've never gotten the chance to tackle like old shakespearean things more absolutely I, I, shakespeare was a, was a huge thing for me i did yeah. a lot of shakespeare um much ado 
uh, Taming of the Shrew. Oh, wow! Yeah, I, I really enjoy enjoy my Shakespeare. And and the younger you are, you you can have a couple of the great roles. But, yes, but there there are some really juicy roles as you For get older. Older, yeah. Richard you know, the Third's older, Rich, right? Richard the yeah. Third, uh, Titus Andronicus. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's there's just some fantastic roles. So as I get older, maybe. Yeah. You know, and then and then obviously as you get older, uh, you. Your competition for a role is a lot smaller as well. That's true. You know, because every every good looking dipshit has already given <laughs> up and gone and done something else, or That's gotten right. or gotten fat or whatever. <laughs> and so, if you still have any chops, then then uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I could see it. The last thing I did was a movie called American Bomber that uh-huh. some good buddies of mine, the guys I live with in, in Queens, uh-huh. uh, back in the day, Mississippi boys, uh, or at least Michael is. Uh, they these guys these two guys paid for it out of their pocket over the course of two years wow. out of, of bartending tips yeah that's amazing um, and wrote and directed it uh, Michael Freeland and Eric Trincamp and Michael had produced the best piece of theater I had ever done mm-hmm. which is a two man show in the Fringe Festival uh, where I played uh, a reluctantly recovering junkie mm-hmm. hardest hardest thing I've ever done really uh, emotionally was was play this role yeah um, it was brutal. And he came to me, they came to me and sat at my bar and said, hey, we have a small role for you specifically. And I hadn't acted in years yeah. at that point. I was like, for you guys? Absolutely. Done. I'll, I'll play this wingnut character <laughs> who gets choked to death in a kitchen. Um, as you do. As you do. <laughs> and it, and, and it was a, a total wingnut character and every single shot was one or two takes. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And because... Eric uh, takes care of all the all the video mm-hmm. at Pratt, and so he has access to some oh, really wow. great stuff. And he's got an amazing eye. And we shot everything just completely on the fly. And it's been in a bunch of different uh, film, film festivals. That's incredible. Yeah, well, and, and, and one and one in several. Year? This is several years ago. Yeah, uh, but it's called American Bomber. That's incredible, man. Mm-hmm. I you know, <laughs> it's funny because. And again, like I talked, I was saying that how Josh told me that he learned a lot about his friends just from these kind of things. Sure, yeah. you got a fucking rich life, man. You had you have a lot of stuff going on, and I always suspected you don't get too deep when when I'm maybe on one side of the bar and you're on the other. You know, just uh, a tweet's worth, sure, of, of interaction, yeah, of intimacy, yeah, yeah, of information. But sure. I I always knew there was some depth. And I knew you had a lot of chops mentally. Like I could always tell. And it's amazing to say to, to know that you you acted, you produced. Mm-hmm. You know, you're a businessman, a true Renaissance man, Floyd. And I remember. Thank you for saying, by the sure, way. Sure, sure. But I remember workshopping in a black box theater this really ridiculous play. Uh, that my friend Lucy Alabar had written, mm-hmm. uh, like workshopping over and over and over again in this cold reading this beer drinking cold read that we used to always do called slam. Uh-huh. Um, and that the play was called juicy and delicious. And it was about uh, this kid named hush puppy. Okay. And, and uh, all, and this really fantastical super Southern thing. She was Southern as well. Yeah. Uh, and that play became like went through this whole process and got selected through a green lighting process and became Beast of the Southern Wild. No shit. Yes. Really? Yeah. And that was up for she was up for the young girl was up for best actress. Yeah, two absolutely. Years ago now. And and so That's and amazing. I, 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 
you know and so lucy alabar like wrote juicy and delicious became uh beasts of the southern wild that's insane and so i remember workshopping that as a stage play yeah as a as a crazy absurdist stage play wow and so yeah you're close you're always on the brink of it right that no but it was just it's it's really fun seeing how you, you, you stick around long enough um and 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 give things a go and sometimes you're surprised at, at what works yeah never you never can tell Mm-mm. you never know what project you'll start working on that resonates with everybody and then which things you think will be popular and they're not sure you know it's always so strange but it's been just a pleasure chatting with you yeah thanks, thanks man thanks so much for stopping thanks for by letting me uh just rattle on it was my pleasure thanks for sharing the bourbon yeah thank you so 40 years of brilliance everybody that's floyd he's an actor a musician although maybe he wouldn't call himself that a fine gentleman a good example for work ethic and i learned a lot about floyd there's so many things i didn't realize that he had touched or he had been a part of or helped start and it's amazing to see this transition for him from behind the bar to being the creative director for sourced craft cocktails tonight marks floyd's 40th birthday there will be an amazing soiree to take place and i will post all of those details today on the site facebook etc etc and i hope that we will all get to have a nice few drinks in honor of the gentleman floyd so thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V with Mike G. I hope you enjoyed South by Southwest 2016. Aren't too sick, aren't too phlegmy, but no matter how you're recovering, whether it's drinking kale smoothies or listening to the fine, mellow sounds of Tom Jones, please keep dancing.